0: Hello Badger fans and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth podcast as always Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin athletics on today's show. We've got some recruiting stuff to get to. We've got some interesting updates in terms of commitment dates, top threes, some losses for the Badgers on the recruiting trail. We've talked the last few weeks about quite a few wins for Wisconsin, but you can't win them all. And there's some tough losses that Wisconsin will have to deal with on the recruiting trail that kind of came to fruition this past week. So we'll talk about all those latest recruiting updates as that's kind of the bulk of our conversation um, throughout this July month. In addition to that, there was a little thing um, about a couple teams joining the Big Ten. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that. Sarcasm certainly included in the USC-UCLA acquisition (laughs) into the Big Ten. So we'll get into all that as well, what it means for the Big Ten moving forward, the perception of the Big Ten moving forward, and then of course, if you are a fan of realignment, and I don't know if anyone truly is a huge fan, but if you start to, you know, speculate on what's next, um, there's a lot of interesting moves and conversations that you could see, which is is always fun to talk about. I know some people probably get annoyed with the realignment discussions because for so long it was mostly just discussions, but clearly some power moves uh, being made by the Big Ten in response to, of course, um, the SEC's big power move, and more dominoes will will certainly fall beyond that. So. What we'll do is we'll do the recruiting updates first and then we'll go ahead and get into that whole conversation as that will be likely a little bit longer um, of a a conversation piece we'll start with uh in terms of the recruiting updates we'll start with joe crocker um, one of the top players in the wisconsin uh, recruiting board has set a commitment date for july 18th as i mentioned a three-star offensive lineman out of uh, nashville tennessee just up the road from me actually in uh from brentwood tennessee um he's considering a top three of wisconsin mississippi state and michigan state he did take an official visit to all three schools and it does look like he is going to narrow that uh, down to one school on july 18th wisconsin considered to be the favorite but from all accounts and, and there's there's certainly other people that um have a read on him it looks like it could really go either way but this is certainly a guy that wisconsin wants to land we've talked about joe crocker uh quite a bit on this podcast and in the last couple episodes mentioned once he trimmed his list down to three that um it looked good for the badgers but you never know i mean he is a player that is, is from the tennessee area you are in sec country so an sec school like mississippi state could certainly um, you know see themselves into the end, and, and really Michigan State is very much a strong contender as well. So I would say right now, in terms of someone who, who follows Wisconsin recruiting and and kind of has some um, intel into you know in, in connections with people who have opinions that are usually you know educated guesses. Uh, it, to me, it seems pretty open um, at this point in time. So we'll see how it ends up in terms of that July 18th commitment date. Um, could be Wisconsin, could be Mississippi State, could be Michigan State. Right now, I don't think any, any fan base feels feel super comfortable, but certainly a lot of fan bases, and those three in particular, are, are wanting a player like Joe Crocker. He's he's, he's big, he's physical, he's, he's a prototypical high school prospect that, that you want to be part of your team and that can certainly blossom into more under Bob Bostead or at the other two you know respective schools that way. Um, they rated as a three-star kid, but I think he's, he's one of the top prospects on Wisconsin's board. I think he might be, in terms of recruiting rankings, a, a little underrated um, compared to what we've seen in these other classes. In Wisconsin, you know, the last few weeks have done some good job of getting some size on on the offensive line, a couple of players on the defensive line as well, but Joe Crocker would certainly be a really, really nice boost to that offensive line room um, for that 2023 class. Has already got a couple members um, in it already. Moving on now, in terms of recruitment, uh, Tackett Curtis also uh, narrowed down his top three. The outside linebacker, kind of edge rusher, just kind of one of those kids that is kind of a freak athlete type kid that you just want on your team. He's got a high motor, a guy that's really going to make some plays. Has narrowed down his top three. Um, a four-star kid, outside linebacker, edge right uh, out of the state of Louisiana. Actually, narrowed his his. Commitment down to three schools in Wisconsin, USC, and Ohio State. So a Big ten, When you think about it, um, for him, it's it's a Big Ten battle. Um, you know, Big Ten powerhouses: Wisconsin, Ohio State, and USC are the top three schools for him um, right now. It does look like Ohio State is the leader in terms of uh, the predictions by two, four, seven, and on three. But Wisconsin still sounds like they're very much in the mix um, for a player like him. Again, as I just mentioned, you know, number um, a number of, of good characteristics for him as a player. He does play on both sides of the ball. It's kind of a um, uh, a guy that you. It's just it's when you watch his tape, he's a player that you just want on your team because he's around the ball, making plays offensively. They, they have him run up you know, as, as a wildcat, as a quarterback, as a running back, just an athletic kid that can kind of do it all. Speed, athleticism, physicality, it's got a little bit of everything. And then on the defensive side of the ball, a guy that can really come up, make plays, come off the edge, and, and, and produce sacks, and, and just do a lot um, uh, for his team at the high school level. So I really think Wisconsin, you know, in terms of top of the board guys that we just mentioned with Joe Crocker being one of them, Tack Curtis is, is, is certainly up there. When you look at the the type of player that you want to land, this guy is it. I think he'd fit very well in Wisconsin. Um, I, I could certainly see him going to either one of the other top th- schools in his top three, uh, but this is certainly a guy that the Badgers would love to have. You know, in terms of recruiting prospect rankings, probably if he were to commit to Wisconsin, would be the highest ranking one in this class uh, as a four star, surpassing Jace Arnold, who was kind of that th- fringe three-star, you know, low four-star type player. So if, if you were to pick up a, a commitment from Taggart Curtis, he's, he's likely the top player in the class thus far. We're just saying something because Wisconsin has really made some inroads and in landing some some quality prospects from this year's class. So we'll keep an eye on that. He has not set a commitment date yet, but with the top three, certainly probably take some time to, to process and, and make a decision. And if he does announce a commitment date, we'll certainly cover it on the podcast and get to you from there. Moving on now, 2023 three-star tight end Zach Orworth out of St. Louis committed to the Iowa Hawkeyes this past Monday, picking Iowa over Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh. So right now when you look at the tight end room, Zach Orworth was kind of the top guy that they had on the board in terms of what they're looking to, to add in this 2023 class. In terms of the the 247 prospects that they've offered, that kind of makes it an empty board for Wisconsin right now with Orworth you know, jumping off there. Um, 2023 class, they they've offered six players and they've all committed elsewhere. And three of them went to rival Big Ten schools. So you would have to think that if they don't pick up someone in this 23 to 23 class, the 2024 would be a uh, an important position. Wisconsin has some depth there, but that, that depth that you've started to talk about in you know the the Hayden Ruchis of the world, the Clay Condoms of the world, guys that a couple years ago you, you you felt like really talented depth are now getting older. I mean, these guys guys are players that are going into their third season in the program, and you can't really count on those guys as, you can't consider them really a a youth type of player at at that tight end position. You know, you're looking at Cundiff and Rucci. Those are juniors now um, with Wisconsin, been in the program for a couple of years. And certainly they did a good job these last few classes of landing a tight end in in each class. You know, look at Cam Large, now a sophomore. uh, Cole Dokovic, now a sophomore. Jack Pugh came in this past year and is a, a redshirt freshman and a, a guy that they're really high on in terms of a tight end for the future. But when you talk about a position for Wisconsin that you can sometimes use two, three different tight ends in a set, right now you're you're maybe you're probably wanting a tight end of that 2023 class um, just to keep the numbers rolling and to give you some more depth beyond, you know, you know two juniors in Kunda and Rucci, a senior in Eschenbach, a senior in Jalen Franklin, a sophomore, a sophomore, and a redshirt freshman. You probably wanted to land one of these guys, and, and certainly Wisconsin, if an opportunity comes and, and they feel good about a guy, they can certainly make an offer, but they kind of get late in the game for some of these top prospects. I mean, as I just mentioned, six offers out there in this 2023 class. Six of them all went elsewhere. So Wisconsin's not just going to throw out offers to everyone. They're not just going to you know throw out an offer to a kid if they don't see a fit. But um, it'll be interesting to see if they can find some sort of, even if it's a project player, maybe an unranked prospect in that tight end room, an in-state guy that maybe you feel could grow into a tight end at some point. Or if it's a position that they leave for this 2023 class and try to address um, a little bit more heavily in 2024, or of course the always the big wild card is the uh, transfer portal. Do you go out and get a player next year, like they did with the cornerback room? They needed some depth, went out, filled it out with you know three transfers that could come into the room, and, and certainly that's good. You'll you'll happily take high level transfer players, and Wisconsin, who's had a very strong history at tight end, should be able to go out and land. Players, if they feel they need to, maybe right now they're okay with the depth, but um, it's certainly going to be an interesting conversation to keep an eye on with that uh, tight end room, um, because you know now missing out on on the guy that you had top of board starts to make you look at that a little bit deeper as a fan. And so, I, where is Wisconsin headed in terms of this recruiting battle uh, for the 2023 class in the tight end room, which transitions us really really nicely in terms of where Wisconsin's headed in the 2023 class. That transitions over to the quarterback room as well, because Wisconsin has had a lot of swing and misses on the quarterback room in this 2023 group, and that continues to happen as two of the guys that they had top of their board, 2023 quarterback Lincoln Kienholz out of South Dakota, committed to uh, the wrong new W this past week. Uh, certainly the right for him. We wish him the best. It's not a knock on him. But he committed to the University of Washington, not the University of Wisconsin, and um, and he had the Badgers in his top three along with North Dakota State, Washington, and Wisconsin. So that was a guy that maybe you felt good about in the 2023 class now going elsewhere. In addition to that, Avery Johnson, um, who who really didn't have Wisconsin in his top three, um, was a guy that Wisconsin offered and, and seemed like there was some interest there mutually at first. He also committed to Kansas State. So now you're looking at the 2023 board for Wisconsin, and it's just been swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss for the quarterback room. And that's when you talk about the the tight end room being certainly a little concerning. It's not, it's not the end of the world in terms of not landing a tight end in a class. When you look at the quarterback room, this is probably, you wanted to land a quarterback in this class in some way, shape or form, but you also wanted to land a Top of the board guy, not just taking the first, you know, the guy that's interested in you if you had interest somewhere else. I mean, Lincoln Kineholtz, Wall, he looked like a prospect that Wisconsin was interested in. Was he even Wisconsin's top of the board guy in that 2023 quarterback room? Probably not. Not really if you're looking at him being realistic about the other offers that they threw out. Um, There was probably some other guys that they wanted to go for. I mean, Dante Moore, it's a five star kid. He's he's likely not going to end up at Wisconsin as I've just mentioned. Avery Johnson was one of their uh, other players that you you went after. He's of course a, a Kansas State commit now. Four-star JJ Cole ended up at Iowa State. Wisconsin seemed to be in the mix there. Four-star quarterback Brayden Dorman, very much in the mix, was on the podcast. sounded very heavily you know interested in Wisconsin. Ended up at Arizona. And, and then now you're losing out uh, to, to three-star Lincoln Keinholtz, um in terms of a uh, quarterback room um, over to Washington. So it's an interesting one in that 2023. I know Drew, Drew has had quite a few write-ups on some concerns in that spot. When you look at it, the last two classes, you know, in 2022, you took three-star Miles Burkett. Who who knows what Miles Burkett's going to end up. I think he's got a, a player that seems like a really good leader, but we haven't seen any. Thing yet from him and that's not a knock on him it's just he's, he's still so young and in the program still development beyond that Deacon Hill was you know a three-star four-star guy that Wisconsin I think felt a little bit higher on than some other places but was he the top of the board guy that they were going after not really but realistically did you did you plan on landing JJ McCarthy who ended up at Michigan probably not but it's it's start it's a trend that I think you're continuing to see where Wisconsin has not necessarily landing their their top of the board guys it's maybe they're settling on their mid-tier board guys but when you look at 2023 your top of the board your middle of the board and even your maybe your lower portions of the board are are not making a commitment over to wisconsin and, and getting beaten out by you know some of these schools you know kansas state iowa state arizona washington those are you know, recruiting battles that Wisconsin should be winning, um, in in some of those conversations. So to lose out some of those schools is is certainly disheartening. And we'll see how that quarterback room moves going forward. Uh, It's going to be continually be the longer it progresses that you don't land a player in that class. Um, certainly, um, going to continue to be a little bit of a head scratcher and, and we'll see, I think this is certainly, you know, you can feel better about the room if Graham Mertz has a strong season, but, you can't hold your breath with grammar it's much longer and, and we'll see how Wisconsin addresses that future um, there. I know there was you know, Caleb Williams rumblings this past year, didn't end up there, ended up at now Big Ten Big Ten West rival USC. So um, certainly an interesting conversation that continues to be brought up. It seemed like maybe if you landed Lincoln Kineholz, boom, you had your solution. There's your 2023 guy. And now when you don't land him, it's like, oh man, this this is still a festering problem for Wisconsin. And and probably a growing problem in that 2023 class now without um, a quarterback body, at least for right now, and and not a lot of plans for a, a player in the future in that class. All right, guys, we've talked to you about the recruiting updates. Now we'll go ahead and get into our latest Big Ten um, swing with the, the Big Ten West. but before we do that, I've got to talk to you guys about homefieldapparel.com. As you know, Homefield has been a great sponsor for us for quite a while here on, on the podcast and they are in the middle of Big New Saturday season 4 and you can sign up for their collection. Uh, you can get um, if the first time you sign up, you can get a 50% uh, off your order and if you sign up for the Big new Saturday each week where you get a new t-shirt each week from their respective schools. That's almost a 40% savings if you commit to taking a t-shirt from them each week. Last week they dropped the Nebraska Cornhuskers Collection, and I must say, I know we are a Big Ten West school, and Wisconsin is is near and dear to our hearts, and Nebraska disgusts us for, for lack of a better term. They're not a, a team that we really claim in the conference as being proud of. They disappoint us and each year in and a year out, they they just they fester for Wisconsin problems and, and Wisconsin fans. That all being said, the collection that they put out of this Nebraska gear was was pretty phenomenal. I mean, there's a couple schools, especially the one for Big News Saturday last week, is one that, despite the misgivings between the two fan bases, I could see myself wearing that shirt, and it pains me to say that because you know, I you know, the, the school of Nebraska is is one that I know a lot of Big Ten West fans. Um, looked down upon. So to, for me to even say that I consider wearing that shirt from a Big Ten West rival, quote unquote, is, just means that it's just home field, once again, knocking it out of the park. This upcoming week, they have the Oklahoma Sooners uh, dropping their collection. So make sure you go over there and check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Sign up for big new Saturday season four. Get yourself some nice new refreshed college t-shirts as we get closer and closer to college football season. All right, now we'll go ahead and get into the bigger news story of this past week, which is of course the USC Trojans and the UCLA Bruins joining the Big Ten. There were rumblings that started midweek last week and all of a sudden 12 hours later it seemed it was confirmed and announced and the college football world has once again flipped on its head. So... Getting into that conversation, it's really an interesting one when you look at the Big Ten was likely going to make a move at some point. I don't think anyone can sit there and say they never saw this coming in any way, shape or form. It did pick up rather quickly in terms of what we found out in the public. There was likely rumblings going on for quite a long time for them to feel comfortable about you know, rolling this out briefly and then bang, you know, it's official 12 hours later. Behind the scenes, this must have been going on for quite some time, but it was, it was kind of a quick shock for Wisconsin fans and Big Ten fans, as as it was for Pac-12 fans and, and USC and, and, and UCLA fan bases. So in terms of the move, like I said, I think everyone who, who follows Big Ten football knew that this was likely coming at some point, but we didn't know who was going to be joining the Big Ten. We didn't know when. But you had to think the power move that the SEC made made the other conferences start to figure out a new course of action. And I applaud, you know, I know some people aren't necessarily fans of the move, but I applaud Kevin Warren, which is not something I usually say, um, that he was able to you know, not sit back on his heels and make a reactive decision. He went out and, and made a proactive decision to add two schools that are, are very high quality athletic programs, high quality academics, good respective brands in the college sports world, um, so I think as, as, as weird as it's going to be to have, you know, UL, U, USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, it I like the move and it, I don't, I'm glad that it wasn't just some sort of reactive move. Because we've seen in the past, you know, Rutgers gets kind of a knock in this whole conversation. They have a big TV market. Their athletic department and, and output is kind of duty. Um, so I like that Wisconsin went out, or excuse me, I would like that the Big Ten went out and grabbed respectable power programs to make this move feel good because if they would have went out and and this isn't a knock on, on any other school, if they would have went out and, and went for, let's say, West Virginia, just to throw a, a mid-tier school out, would that really have moved the needle for the Big Ten? Probably not. I think with USC and UCLA, you have the pageantry of the Rose Bowl. You have the connection there. It doesn't necessarily make sense in the traditional mindset of college football and in, in feeling like, the, the rivalries and traditions of these schools don't necessarily mesh, but you do have some connections there. And I feel like in, in terms of Maryland and Rutgers, when you look at Big Ten expansion, Maryland and Rutgers, I feel like is less of a fit than USC and UCLA. Um, and, and I've never really gotten around the not feeling like Rutgers and Maryland belonged in the conference. I think Nebraska, when they expanded with them, made a lot of sense for, for both sides. I think USC and UCLA make more sense than, than Maryland and Rutgers. And certainly it's TV markets. It's money involved. That's the driving force behind this. But at least for pageantry's sake and the traditionalist of college football's sake, you can, I, I think, feel a little bit better about that USC and UCLA expansion. So is it, is it, is it going to be weird? Is it going to be different? Absolutely. But the times are changing in college football. And, and I think it's adapt or die at this point. I like that the Big Ten went out and, and were proactive in their decisions versus reactive in those conversations beyond that though what comes next for the big 10 that's i think where the even bigger intrigue comes into play because you're now seeing that it's kind of an arms race between the big 10 and the sec to have the the top conference and what happens with the other conferences is going to be absolutely fascinating Um, i can certainly see a situation where the the big 10 continues to expand i think it's naive to think that they're just done Um, I think right now, if you're thinking about what they're doing, it's likely they're waiting on what Notre Dame is going to do. I know the world shouldn't halt for Notre Dame in any way, shape, or form, but they are a a high-quality program that is in an interesting situation where they could fit with the ACC and, and try to put their powers aligned with them, but they could also mesh really well in the Big Ten. And right now, when you look at the Big Ten adding USC, kind of is a nice way of, of maybe moving Notre Dame to, to move the needle to the Big Ten because now you have one of their rivals that they play you know every season uh, in the mix as well. So I think that's the next move is, is waiting for you know, Notre Dame to make a decision. Is it going to be the Big Ten? Is it going to be they're going to align with the ACC? I, I think right now it's, pro- it's most likely that they'll join up with the Big Ten and be the, the next team in the expansion. And then beyond that, where do they go is, is certainly kind of up in the air. I do think when you look at expanding westwards to USC and UCLA, you likely have to move a little bit further west. You're not just going to have those two schools out west. So teams like Oregon, Washington, it seems like there's been a lot of people out there that have said, you know, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that those two will be in the mix and be a Big Ten team at some point. I don't know if I see that quite yet, but it, it would make a ton of sense. Beyond that, I mean talking about Notre Dame in terms of rivalries, pageantry, academics, I think a school like Stanford would make a ton of sense to the Big Ten, but there really hasn't been a ton of rumblings there, but another Notre Dame rivalry would make sense to get them on board. You know, Cal Berkeley is a school that is certainly in the mix. It's, it's the schools that have that athletic and academic pedigree that is, is gonna be, and, and along with the te- you gotta have some sort of combo of athletics, academics, and a TV market that interests the Big Ten. If you don't have a TV market, if you're not feasible in that, you know that's not gonna be a team that the Big Ten is gonna go after. Washington State, poor academics, and uh, kind of an irrelevant sort of academic program, or athletic program, not gonna be on the Big Ten's radar in, in many ways, shapes, or forms. But schools with all three of those, like in Oregon, like a Washington and Seattle, um, you know those type of schools You know oregon kind of still in that mix because of tv money university of california You know berkeley very big tv market. Maybe not as strong athletically, but very strong academically and of course stanford You know a, a very prestigious school that has done things the right way So I think it's unlikely that was that the, that the big excuse me I almost said wisconsin again that the big 10 is done by any way shape or form in terms of expansion it's likely gonna be more Western teams. You're not just gonna have USC and UCLA traveling over here for every single road game. I think that would be a real strain on them, but in terms of, so, so westward expansion, I think would be the most likely one. Notre Dame, if they want in, I think they're certainly in. Another school, maybe a wild card is, I, I think the Pitt Panthers, um, maybe the Kansas Jayhawks in terms of basketball. When you look at a school like Pitt, maybe you reignite, you, you expand a little bit eastward, a decent TV market, prestigious as academic school. You've already got some established rivalries with, with um, you, you know, eastward, you'd have Pitt, you'd have Rutgers, you'd have Maryland, and of course, Pitt-Penn State to get that rivalry reignited would certainly be an interesting one as well. So overall, I think the Big Ten, is, it's, it pains me to say it, as I love the tradition of college football in terms of West Coast teams playing West Coast teams and the Big Ten being the Midwest and ACC being the East and SEC you know, is down South, Southern football. Those times are going away and you really have to adapt in, in those times moving forward here. And I think the big, that Big Ten, as weird as it's going to be, did a good job of taking the best situation for their conference to make them as competitive as possible and, and ran with it. So I think it'll be a, a good move for the Big Ten moving forward and we'll see which dominoes will fall next. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Kind of a slow week once again, outside of that big conference expansion news. So we'll be back with you. If there's any big news that pops, we'll we'll have another short episode later in the week. Next week, I will be traveling some, but I'm still going to have at least some sort of episode to catch you up on things. And then after that, we'll likely roll out some new stuff that I, I can't quite talk about just yet, but exciting stuff to maybe get the podcast back to. A little bit normal, uh, more normal of a fit in terms of we'll be you now be getting into mid August into uh, or excuse me into mid July and August. You're going to have um, you know plenty of football to talk about coming up here soon, and we'll maybe get back to that two week, uh, two episodes a week um, schedule, maybe with uh, another voice on the podcast as well. So working some of those details out, but stay tuned as we move forward here on Bucky's Toad Podcast. As always, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. Thank yeah.